0: Hey, the start of something special right here, man. Let's go. Number one fantasy player right here. Got past the line.
1: Shut up. Know the rules. I just want to say this to you.
0: Right now, best in the game. I know. What is up? PAT Fantasy Football Podcast. Still happening in the offseason. I am Andrew Mackins, your host. Joined by my co-host Sam Hoppin. What is up Sam? It is good to be back. We
1: have had some time to refresh and recuperate after a long NFL season. But we finally have a Super Bowl champ. Congratulations Mr. Andy Reid. It feels so good to see him lift the Lombardi Trophy and see the Chiefs win for the first time in 50 years.
0: Yeah, I am so happy for him and all of the KC barbecue he gets to eat Ooh, now. All uh, those cheeseburgers. All the free Kansas City barbecue. Can you imagine? That's probably one of the best cities to win a Super Bowl in, in terms of free stuff you get after. Especially if you're Andy Reid. I mean, come on. The, yes.
1: The, the guy's <laughs> not shy about how much he weighs. He I, He's very aware of... Being a little overweight, but <laughs> I heard Kansas I heard City it, uh, is definitely
0: a great place to to yeah. win a Super Bowl. I heard after one of those interviews, I forget if it was championship game or the Super Bowl, he said something about getting a cheeseburger and he was like, "Might make it a double." I'm like, "That,
1: that was after the Super Bowl." Come on, Andy, <laughs> it's a double every time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's uh,
1: a great point. Uh, it's I think it's really great to see Patrick Mahomes win so early on because. A lot of the discussion, if he didn't win, was going to be around, oh, can he win the big one? The year before he collapsed, he didn't collapse in, in the AFC Championship, short. but he he came up short, and a lot of people were saying, well, if he doesn't win this time, he'll get back eventually. Like he's young enough, and I absolutely hate that argument because you see guys like Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, who yeah. win a Super Bowl fairly earlier in, in their NFL career, and. Never make it back for a a number of reasons. And yes, it seems like the Chiefs are set up well for the next several years, especially if Andy Reid sticks around. But they're going to have to pay Mahomes a boatload of money, which will change the dynamic of who's on that team and could very well shake things up. I mean, there's Lamar Jackson, there's Deshaun Watson. There's plenty of these
0: up-and-coming quarterbacks that could lead their team to victory. So, I think yeah. a key thing there too though is and I I hate here like what you're talking about too with Rodgers, like everyone thought he was going to win like two or three more Super Bowls in his career after he got the first one and then it never happened. So, it's definitely always up in the air. However, I think that now that we are slowly starting to see finally the waxing no, the waning, excuse me, of Tom Brady leaving the AFC that it's Potentially, much more likely that we see like guys like Mahomes, Watson, and Jackson continue to make appearances, and that they kind of split the pot of what is available from all of those Patriots wins. Like, it, it's so disparate these this past decade because the Patriots were so goddamn good, and now it's going to be a little more like we're we're sharing these Super Bowl <laughs> titles in the twenties, sharing the wealth. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. I think what
1: the Patriots have done over the past two decades even have skewed what success looks like for a franchise in that time period. Because you look at the number of teams that have won multiple Super Bowls over that span and there aren't many. And the Patriots have just blown everyone away even when you don't think they're any good or a a team like the Rams is going to come out of nowhere and take the championship. They just end up right back there so it it will be good to a bit refreshing to see some some new fresh faces in the championship but let's move on to our very well-known kickoff question this is a fantasy football podcast after all hey we want to kick that way you know you got to take some stock in what happened in the playoffs with regards to next season because There are things that happen, whether it's someone getting the bulk of the carries, the bulk of the targets, etc., etc., that could make a player rise or fall in your rankings. So, today's kickoff question is, who is your biggest mover in terms of rankings based on what happened this past postseason?
0: Thank you, Sam. I would have to say Damian Williams, a guy that throughout the season, we were just unsure of week in and week out a lot of him not getting the opportunities as much as he could have Sean McCoy was in there for a while uh Patrick Mahomes was hurt in the middle of the season it seemed like the Chiefs were not on all firing on all cylinders throughout the season but they you know they managed to win a lot of games because they are that good and then when they made this playoff stretch out of nowhere comes Damian Williams again playoff Damian and you think that like He's not going to be used. The Tyreek Hill is going to be catching bombs all playoffs. And it turns out that the running back is super important in Andy Reid's offense as it always has been. And so now, even on not just myself, but on Twitter, I'm seeing a lot of uh, Damian Williams probably going to get drafted around the same spot as he was last year now. You made a point that the running back is
1: important in Andy Reid's offense. And it's, it's an important distinction because he's an important part of the passing offense. This team... Passes the most in the NFL and has for a number of years. And that's really what shoots Damian Williams' value up. Yes. Up the leaderboards. Because he's never going to be a 25 carry, 150 yards Mm -hmm. rusher week in and week out. Yes, he may have those games every once in a while. But Andy Reid uses the running back so creatively. I mean, you saw it... uh, year or two ago with Kareem Hunt and how well he was playing and you know he was catching deep passes from from Alex Smith of all people so I I do agree that Damian Williams certainly like whether he's moved up my rankings or not he certainly has moved his way up to like you said he put himself right back in the conversation
0: he was in last year where we're still kind of asking the same questions but we know about the offense so much so I feel like I'm like okay, well, I don't know what to do. I actually don't know what to do with him. He's definitely gone back up to where I had him before the 2019 season. But like, so do I want to buy into it again, or do it I? It will fade be interesting
1: in? because I think there was a lot of negative talk around him going into the season. With again, they're bringing LaShawn McCoy in. They drafted Darwin yeah. Thompson. Like there were there were reasons to believe that Damian Williams wasn't necessarily going to be the guy in that backfield. And that showed itself within the a first lot. couple of weeks yeah. of like the what season the as well. So, they're, it, you know, assuming LaShawn McCoy is gone, you know, does Darwin Thompson take a, 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 a leap in his second year? He didn't do that much to yeah. show it throughout this entire the entire season. So, mm-hmm. I I don't hate Damian Williams at that spot as much as I did the last previous year, year. That's yeah. for sure. Gar, do you have, like... Anything to say to that? Uh, do you are we overreacting
2: a little bit or absolutely? But that's I mean that's the fun of fantasy football is overreacting. But I mean, um, look at stats now. He had 30 receptions last year in the highest passing offense. I mean, I, I would hope for more than that, more than 37 targets throughout the year. If you're going to be like arguing that this is the most pass-heavy offense, he's bound to get these, and they just didn't really dump it off to him. I mean.
1: That's a great point, and I I know durability is a big factor in his value as well because he hasn't shown the ability to stay healthy all season, and that's, you know, availability is the best ability, especially when you're drafting someone in the, the second or third round. But I want to move on quickly to my big mover, and that was basically all of the 49ers running backs moving down my draft board. As good as that running back game is... I just don't want to have to pick and choose between all 18 of those running backs. Yeah, you're backs. getting carries
0: vultured by Debo Samuel on that you're getting, too.
1: like that Like It was Tevin Coleman for like the first half of the Vikings game, and then he goes out, and then Mostert <laughs> steps back in again, and Mostert crushes the Packers, and then basically none of them really do that much in the Super Bowl, so... You know, a lot of last season, I remember us talking about, oh, well, Tevin Coleman is in the sixth round; he's a value because there's some uncertainty with his backfield, and he seems like he's going to be the guy. He was for a couple games, and then it was Matt Breida, and then it was Raheem Mostert, and then it was Tevin Coleman again. (laughs) And it's it's such a an ever changing rotation within that backfield, and it's is it's very exciting to watch from a pure NFL standpoint, but. From a fantasy football perspective, unless it's some sort of best ball league or something like that, I don't want to have to deal with the headache of a San Francisco running back in my lineup.
0: Yeah, that, that's going to make me want to move Tevin Coleman down a bit too, because we, whenever we talk about Shanahan, we're always thinking back to that year where it's a, the offense supported in Atlanta both Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. It's like these running back ones, or like they're both in the top fifteen, or something crazy like that. But that was just two of them. There were right, and that's that's the thing. Is now it seems like Shanahan's moved to this like, oh, I can just give anyone the ball. It doesn't have to be just these two guys. So unless the roster changes a bit, like if they cut anyone or if it if they narrow it down to two main players, then we could get more excited. But otherwise, like even when we were talking about McKinnon being involved in this offense too, (laughs) people forget Jarek McKinnon's on the roster. But it is a complete crapshoot. But
1: Tevin Coleman goes away, and Jeff Wilson steps in. Jeff Wilson goes away, Matt Breida steps in. So, uh, biggest movers from the soft season I had, the San Francisco 49ers running backs basically moving down my rankings, and on the flip side, Andrew Mackins had big game Dame, Damian Williams, moving <laughs> up his <laughs> rankings, but... Why don't we get into just some other big takeaways from the playoffs from a fantasy football perspective? Because, again, a lot of the analysis that we're going to be looking at throughout the off season is going to be based on the regular season and what they do when we're actually playing fantasy football. But there is some stock we need to take in how players perform throughout the playoffs, whether it's poorly, very well, but what's so, sort of one of your big takeaways from this postseason
0: so agnostic of rankings just like agnostic of what, rankings like what because it all will ultimately influence my rankings i guess but exactly. other things that i like really stuck out in my mind well being the resident titans fan of the podcast. Uh, what really stuck out to me, and we had a pretty good sample size from three games from the Titans, great run, congrats to that team, Mike <laughs> Braybill, didn't have to cut your dick off, at least, um, AJ Brown was nowhere to be found in the playoffs, and we were, were all creaming over him going into this offseason, because he did great things as a rookie, he probably should have been the offensive rookie of the year, if it weren't for Kyler Murray being a quarterback. Uh But we get into the playoffs where you're playing with elite-level talent, and he's getting shut down. He had two games where he only got one catch. He wasn't getting targeted very much, and that raised a bit of a red flag for me just because I did a deep dive on A.J. Brown, which we'll probably get into more throughout the season, but it's on my website, AndrewMackins.com. There's the plug. And it was basically playing devil's advocate against AJ Brown and all the games that he dominated in. He was playing bottom half pass defenses, so uh, I think it's a testament to you get in the offs uh, in the playoffs, the postseason, and you're playing guys, you're going up against guys like Stephon Gilmore and the Patriots, the, the the Ravens pass defense, the Chiefs, and not doing anything that you would expect from him. It was really just a, not a great sign if we want to take playoff performances and factor them into next year. That's a great point. I think you know, and
1: I would highly encourage our listener listeners to check out Andrew's article on AJ Brown because it does, he does a great job of pointing out a lot of stats that point to maybe AJ Brown not being that great of a fantasy asset. But I think the perspective here is. Yes, he's cooled off. His hot streak at the end of the regular season has diminished his value, but I don't think he's gotten to a point yet where he's a value in drafts, if that makes sense. So, he's sort of at, you know, where he's he should be falling into right now, you know, probably low-end wide receiver 2 range. If he ends up falling to early wide receiver three, mid wide receiver three range, then I think he becomes a value and I am more likely to target him because he is one of those boom bust type guys that is a good flex option, but I don't know if I'm trusting as a wide receiver two. So I, I do think that is an important point as far as where his value was, where it is now and where it might be a, a value in the draft.
0: Yeah, I mean, all this article and other articles I'm going to be doing this year are going to be part of what a Devil's Advocate series. So I'm really just pointing out like opposing statistics as to kind of cool down the hype. And I, and I note in there, Like we were just talking about Damian Williams is rising in my rankings because his postseason finish is an argument why he's still a top running back selection. And I think a lot of the fantasy community is going to talk about that. But no one else is going to be talking about the fact that Uh, his stat line, AJ Brown's in the postseason was 10 targets, four catches, 64 yards. Not something you want across three games. But anyways, Sam, you have a takeaway about the postseason as well. So mine's with another receiver that I am not going to play devil's
1: advocate because Devontae Adams is the real deal. He's top three in my books uh, behind Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins. If the Packers don't add a legitimate receiver. I don't see any reason why he's not going to get 10 plus targets a game again in 2020. He's the only guy that Rodgers trusts at this point, and rightfully so. So I, I just expect him to be top three. Yes, it, it sucked that he got injured, but on a per-game basis, he was still one of the top receivers in fantasy football. But... Before we get into our 2020 rankings to base, I think Garner also had a quick takeaway for us as well.
2: Yeah, much smaller sample size, but Josh Allen. I mean, I know we already kind of like him. He's got the running potential. He ran nine times for 92 yards in his one game, and Coach clearly trusts him to throw because he threw 46 times in that game. Damn. So I mean, he's got the Ryan kick, Apparently now he's a wide receiver, too, because he caught a yeah. touchdown. Threw the ball I way mean, too
1: many times. I I retract that. Handed the ball off to Frank Gore way
0: too many times in that how, game. How far were they behind in this game? Because my first question in my head they was, were behind. Wait, they, they were, were ahead. They were the ahead for uh, over half
2: the game. In the playoffs?
0: <laughs> <laughs> they played one playoff game, and they, they were ahead in the game. They kept handing <clears throat>
1: the ball off to Mr. Invincible Frank Gore. And the Texans did this crazy comeback. Josh Allen did the lateral thing that oh, went God. crazy yeah. behind him. So what I I, I do agree. I think Josh Allen's gonna be one of those late round late let me later round quarterbacks that you can get and will have those ceiling games, but also provide you a decent floor with his rushing.
2: Yeah, last year I think he was like QB twenty one. And with all the hype of, I mean, obviously the young guys besides him now, and all the quarterbacks going to be on new teams and hypothetical potential, everyone I feel like is going to kind of overlook him again. And he was QB six on the year. Hopefully, do yeah, you think? Bad.
0: What's more likely? It gets overlooked because of all the hype around everyone else, or everyone has Lamar Jackson fever and they just want a running quarterback now. I I think it's Lamar Jackson running quarterback
1: fever because. I mean, I've got Kyler Murray at 4th in my rankings. I've got Josh Allen 6th or 7th. It, it it just provides such a high floor that if you get 40 yards, that's an extra passing touchdown in mm-hmm. the leagues that we're working in, in 4-point per passing touchdown. So, it just, it's crazy. I mean, so, and some of these guys, like Lamar Jackson averaged 90-plus, 80-plus rushing yards a game, yeah. which is the high end of the spectrum, but even if you're averaging between 40 and 60 per game. Again, that's an extra touchdown that you're getting out of your quarterback. Well, yeah. or it's... And
0: Allen's over-indexing on rushing touchdowns, too, exactly. like both that's... years he's played. So it's like, I, I hope he gets overlooked because of other situations bec- and his playoff performance because he is a guy I would love to target in a later round for all the reasons you just said. He
1: will be the poor man's Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray because of the turnovers, because of the, right now, the lack of weapons. If they don't go out and get, you know, another Antonio Brown for more than a day, um, (laughs) then... then, I really like talking about this Antonio Brown guy on Twitter. Then some of the hype might start building up. But let's, uh, let's move on because... What do we do when the 2019 season ends? We start planning for 2020.
0: There is no off-season anymore.
1: There is none. We are going to dive into a couple of rankings disputes that I know it sounds crazy, but it's, in my opinion, a good thought exercise to go through where, where you feel these guys stand now versus where they might stand a couple months from now because... There is something to be said about momentum that carries through the off season and end of season stuff like that. But um, the first question I want to ask you is just a, more of a philosoph- philosophical of how you do your rankings. What's the thought process that you go through? Are there any specific things that you're looking for or paying attention to?
0: Yeah, I think one thing I want to point out with my rankings is when I'm when I'm looking at this, I. I've done so many mock drafts in the past, and I'm I'm hoping that I do fewer of them this off season. Or wait, there is no off season. Uh, <laughs> this you know in between period of seasons. <laughs> anyway, but what I've always thought of when I'm creating my rankings is, would I actually draft this guy over this guy in in a draft? And I'm and that'll come up in a couple of our examples here. But it, it's really factoring in that value of or perceived of where I think they're going to go in the draft that tends to have a larger influence on my rankings as opposed to completely statting out a player. That
1: That's a great point and I very much align with that thinking too because I'm never going to draft a guy like Frank Gore. He I, I've mentioned him way too many times on this podcast but he provides no value to me whatsoever. Same with like Adrian Peterson. These guys who are maybe going to get 15 points in a game once or twice. They have no value on your roster and you're using an end-of-round pick for them. Why not use it on a guy like like Darwin Thompson, who has the potential to take over the starting running back job in a much more high-powered offense. So I very much align with you on that. I think a couple other things that I am looking at are regression candidates. Obviously looking more so at the outliers and the extremes at each position to see which ones might come crashing back down to earth or vice versa returning back to their normal and and obviously we're making a ton of assumptions at this point in the year we haven't mm-hmm. we haven't hit free agency we haven't hit um NFL, the draft. NFL draft yet so that said there are some situations that will remain fairly static throughout the next couple months at least we would expect but why don't we get into our first person and that is a quarterback russell wilson again someone who will likely have a similar situation you've got him ranked fifth i currently have him ranked 10th
0: why are you so high on russell wilson let's discuss after watching some of these games this year, particularly the like early season game between the Seahawks and Rams, where Wilson threw that highly improbable Amazon Web Services branded touchdown to Tyler Lockett, I I was watching that game, I'm just like amazed like how he jumps off the tape. And everyone knows he's an amazing quarterback, like from a talent perspective. And I think that you have to factor that in when you're thinking about like, okay if you're going to invest high capital in a quarterback, it has to be someone who's undeniably great. And I think that Russell throughout his career has shown that he has that ceiling to have MVP level seasons. And then more recently, I think that uh, he was interviewed by one of these media outlets where they get paid to do fantasy analysis. And he said he wants to open up the offense more. He's going to be putting, you know, Putting it out there to Pete Carroll, and, and from a philosophical standpoint, like we need to pass the ball more. We know in the two-minute offense we're really good in catch-up mode we're really good, uh, and they are. And we can see that he's automatic sometimes when it comes to passing, scrambling, gaining rushing yards. That I see a lot of upside in the offense if they just switch the philosophy a bit, and that's why I have him ranked higher than other quarterbacks. I need to see that though first. They they Russell Wilson might
1: might have said those things umpteen times to Pete Carroll over the past several years he's always been a fantastic passer his career passing touchdown rate is six percent which is absolutely crazy I mean the league average is right around four and a half percent each year and he's one of the most efficient quarterbacks he can do it with sometimes scraps at wide receiver and tight end but I'm not going to believe that they are a Pass first team until I see it. I, I'm just not. And I, I'm i not going to bake that into what I expect from Russell Wilson this season because... But
0: like if they're, I know that they're not, they're, that they are a run first team, but how does a run first team let a, quarter, a quarterback get 40 points in a game? It's just, in, it's insane to me that he can still have these games despite whatever their actual game plan is. And when I saw that happen throughout this season, even if it wasn't, you know, across the season, I know his stats weren't as great towards the end of the year. I was still thinking like this is this is insane. Like how I don't I put put a lot of less stock for me in the run first offense in terms of like how he can produce. Part of it's definitely his efficiency, but I mean, how maybe this is. A bad ballpark to ask on the spot, but how many passing attempts would you need to see from Russell Wilson in order to assume okay he's a high volume passer and he's going to get the numbers I would hope from like a top five quarterback? I would think it from a
1: top five quarterback I've got him ranked fifth, thirty five or forty plus like per game per game. Okay, I mean, not so, not on the season. That's that's two per game. So I I don't want to <laughs> contradict myself because. We're going to talk about Chris Carson in a minute here. And I do think the Seahawks defense will be worse this upcoming year. Perfect, And it will (laughs) force
0: the Seahawks into passing the ball more. But he's close because 35 attempts a game across the season is like 560 on the season. He had 516 this year. Two years ago, he had 553. The middle year, 2018, he was super efficient with only 427 attempts. So, it, it, I think it can change. I, I, I'm buying into it. Obviously. So, yeah. So,
1: let's move on to, uh, like like I just mentioned, his teammate Chris Carson. You have him ranked 15th and I have him ranked 21st. So, I'm just inherently down on on this Seahawks offense, I guess. And, and like I said, I think... Part of it is that the Seahawks will be forced into passing the ball a little bit more when even when Pete Carroll doesn't necessarily want to. But Chris Carson's fumbling issues are very well known. Granted, he won't likely won't have Rashad Penny, at least for the first couple weeks of the season, breathing down his neck. But the Seahawks I'll probably draft another running back because that's how enamored see uh with <laughs> Carroll is with with the running game but I I don't trust him to be able to stay healthy and again it, part of it's the efficiency he was just so good on the ground this year that I'm I'm not buying it I don't want him to be close to a running back one for me
0: I mean I pulled up his stats on pro football reference and his yards per attempt is still around the same like his, he was actually more efficient last year 4.7 this year he's, or 2019 is 4.4 4. but so if you know more about it the efficiency that way I'd be curious to to hear that but I yeah I was just looking at his seasons and everything seems like relatively sustainable he hasn't gotten overwhelmed from a carry standpoint because he gets hurt and then and then he's out Um, because he hasn't hit 300 attempts in a season yet, but he got worked into the passing game more this year too. Which I think you know because Penny wasn't didn't do anything to impress this year. That Carson could theoretically get worked into the passing game even more. He he had 37 receptions last year, so that could go up if we assume the offense is going to pass more and and they're going to be more up tempo. That should give some more um, you know freedom on the running plays as well. If they do draft another running back, that's not going to make things look good. And I get what you're saying with like, you know, logically if Wilson in the passing game's up, maybe I should put Carson down a couple more spots. But um, You mentioned his work in the passing game
1: increased in it. It certainly did increase, but it's not, it's still not as good as I would want to see. And a lot of that was front loaded on the first half of the year. So through the first seven games, he averaged just under four targets per game and about three catches per game. That dropped basically one of each, uh, almost one and a half targets per game in the last eight games. And those so are healthy games? Or like- the, yeah, these are all healthy games okay. that he, he played in full. So I, I just don't buy him being a large part of the passing offense moving forward.
0: Yeah, it, it'll be. There's a lot that we need to see, of course, and I think you know, hopefully for both passing and rushing offense that they invest in the offensive line. But let's move on to the next running back, who I probably also have too low at this point. But I don't like the Jets that much, and we talked about the Jets last year. Speaking of a team that
1: could invest in the offensive line, I Le'Veon Bell. I've got him ten spots higher than you. You've got him way down at 27, which I. Imagine may be coming up in in the coming weeks, but here's a a crazy stat. Um, I heard this from the Ballers today, actually, of 565 players with at least 245 carries in a season, his 52.6 rushing yards per game ranks 563rd. So he is the third worst yards per game average among players with at least 245 carries in a season. So, it's not, it wasn't good whatsoever, but... Well, that was just this last season. This past like, season with yeah. the Jets, yes. Not other seasons yeah, prior with, with the course. Steelers. And I just... I think he scored, I believe, four total touchdowns this past season. I have a feeling he's going to score more than that. I believe a little bit more in the Jets. if Assuming they're going to have Sam Darnold the entire year, I think that's a little bit more likely. Hopefully he's not... Making oh, yeah, out with mono some, some chicks this offseason. How but, wild would it be if Darnold somehow got coronavirus? And oh then my gosh. Is- <laughs> that would just... <laughs> that franchise. Oh my god. Um, or Le'Veon Bell. But it's, he, Bell did not have a good year rushing the ball. But he had his third... Excuse me. Fourth highest target number. Which is really good for him. He had 78 targets in the passing game. He's going to be used... As a pass catcher and there's no way he doesn't have a run over 20 yards again in 2020 like it I think it was a little bit of an anomaly for him and I expect him to bounce back I'm not drafting him where he was last year again it, between him and Damian Williams it's gonna be pretty tough because that's offense versus volume in my opinion but I there is a case to be made in my opinion to be taking Le'Veon Bell over. Him. Yeah,
0: I I another thing I like in when I do my rankings over time, I like to put him in tiers. So right now, especially early on, there he's part of a tier of like only five six guys that I'll feel the same about. And and as we get closer and closer, I'll be like this guy, I definitely want over this guy. So Bell definitely has some opportunity to move up, but I'm. I've got them lower because I'm so worried about the Jets' offense. And, you know, after they script plays, like the first plays, it seemed like this last year the offense just went to shit and they didn't know what they were doing. And you could all people also cite Adam Gase had Kenyon Drake on his roster yeah. in Miami, and now Kenyon Drake was a beast at the end of the year in Arizona. So, what happened there? I, Adam Gase maybe is like this poison for running backs. <laughs> it, it's hard to say. Moving on, let's talk about a
1: third-year wide receiver that I believe in a ton and you absolutely hate. (laughs) It's Cortland Sutton, and I've got him ranked 10th. You've got him all the way down at 27 for some godforsaken
0: reason. There's a second 27 on here, coincidentally. Uh,
1: Another 27. I'm going to be 27 in a couple months. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you're, you're already 27. Well, maybe it's your... I, yeah, I'm a little bit older than Sam, and maybe it's your young, naive brain oh. that is the reasoning behind this ranking. Shots because pew, pew. there is no chance in hell that Cortland Sutton is going to be a wide receiver one next year. I'm willing to put a beer bet on it now. Like, we, there's so many things that could happen. Like, Tom Brady could go to the... Broncos and work his voodoo TB12 magic on that offense, and then Cortland Sutton becomes the wide receiver one. Who knows? But I would say everything that's in front of us. Drew Locke is the quarterback. His statistics from last year, where which I think is his ceiling. Like he's very. I think that there's a little bit of room for improvement, but mostly capped. I'm willing to bet a beer that he's not a wide receiver one. So like I'm giving you 13th or 12th or better. Like. I am not gonna go that far yet. We oh, are still can't bet five dollar <laughs> beer on on hey, this we're still seven, number ten
1: ranking. We're still seven months out. Let's let's cool it a little bit. Let's let's take some time this in-between period to let things breathe. But you mentioned Drew Locke. Um did you know that he had more targets per game with Drew Locke than without Drew Locke? Or that he had double-digit targets in two of those games, but didn't have more than nine targets in any other game without Drew Locke. I, I think you're putting a lot of stock into Drew Locke. <laughs> you made that right. But answer me. <laughs> Did that. you
0: know? Riddle me <laughs> this. Who the hell else is he gonna throw the ball to? Uh, Noah Fant. We're gonna get to him later. It, another factor that we uh, again we haven't seen yet, but there's a lot of talk that the Broncos are going to draft another wide receiver, so that could take. Turns oh, okay. Away. So they. Draft, but he's already a gotten. He was already targeted 125 times or something like that this season. Are you suggesting that he's going to get Michael Thomas level targets in 2020? No, but because he can, that would have to happen for him to
1: increase his stats. No, but he could certainly <laughs> shoot up to 140, an extra target a game, which is. An extra ten, fifteen yards, and three or four touchdowns. I think he has a reasonable shot of getting to double-digit touchdowns in twenty twenty. So I, I, again, I'm not saying that that's gonna happen, but there's there's a like he showed a ton. Like he is, he's a baller. I'm gonna say it, baller, shot caller. <laughs> Cortland Sutton. I I I think you're discounting him way too much. I think you're putting the Denver Broncos are not that good. Stigma on him and not 100%. taking into account how good he's been over the past year
0: and a half or so. Um, but I, don't I know. do, I do remember when I, we were watching him as a rookie, there were a lot of like missed opportunities on long balls, or was like, oh, if he converted on these, it would be. Talking about him a little bit differently. Yeah, because and, and Case
1: did, Keenum was throwing him the
0: goddamn ball. <laughs> well, Case Keenum did great in Minnesota, but now <laughs> we're just like going way back in all these different situations. I think the biggest stat that I was going to say, did you know that Cortland Sutton's yards per target with Flacco was 10, while his yards per target with Locke was 7? So I didn't know which quarterback was the best for Sutton when I was comparing all the splits. And... I don't know if 10 is actually like that great compared to other wide receivers out there. I mean, A.J. Brown probably had a ridiculous numbers but for, for comparing to him. Brown had 15, so it's not awful. But, I mean, Brown was off the charts. But it was but, seven with Locke, so I thought that was considerably less, and maybe he's not taking as many deep shots, I, which is what I, Sutton needs. I, I don't think he needs it, though. He can, he can thrive on the volume.
1: He can get a ton of catches and be an absolute stud. Someone who is not gonna be a stud anymore, who you still think is going to be is Keenan Allen, who is gonna have, what, Tarod Taylor throwing to him? You've got him. Yes! You've got Keenan Allen ranked ninth. So you think he's gonna be a wide receiver one. I've got him ranked 21. I mean, Phillip Rivers is gone, so you think that means a resurgence for Keenan Allen, who hasn't really played that great as of late?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this again and with, with Sutton too. I thought like he's, I have him so low because there's other guys that I don't want to put below him just yet, and I probably feel the same way about Allen, where I'm like, it, he still proved he can get the yardage even with a bad year from Philip Rivers, and so when I was looking at his stats, I thought, what well, he's still consistent, and has Tarod Taylor ever even had a wide receiver as good as Keenan Allen? Uh, Jarvis Landry. Back in Cleveland for a couple of games <laughs> <laughs> oh big sample size there I think that Keenan Allen's one of those guys who I have somewhere in that tier right like maybe he shouldn't be as high as ninth but I think he has that potential to still be a wide receiver one even with Rivers leaving I don't think it's Terod's that big of a downgrade uh, and a lot of it comes from that consistency in volume and in yards that I've seen over more than more seasons than I've seen from Cortland Sutton, so <laughs> <but> <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna compare that. I think you're basing so much of your
1: analysis and ranking on what he's done over the length of his career, which has been fantastic. He's been a great asset in fantasy football, but again, this this team is is gonna be very different without Philip Rivers at quarterback. Tyrod Taylor's or whoever's sitting back there is probably not going to be slinging the ball around quite like Phillip Rivers was, just not caring, caring about throwing three interceptions in a game, dogging it. Like, I ain't gumming. <laughs> Keenan Allen is good. I, You know, it could be a rookie quarterback, Justin Herbert or Tua, that's throwing him the ball too. And well, if it's, it's
0: a rookie quarterback, then I'm probably changing my tune. But I went into that ranking assuming it would be Tarod. Actually, When did we find out about Rivers? I might have thought it was still Rivers. Two days ago, I believe. I did these rankings on Saturday, and it's Tuesday, so maybe I thought Phillip Rivers was still there, (laughs) which makes this, you know, it's a little nebulous. We talked about this before. I I think he's in a tier where I'd still keep him in that wide receiver one to high wide receiver two range because of his reliability. I I haven't seen any, you know, statistical signs of him slowing down just yet. All right,
1: well, why don't we wrap up this conversation with one tight end that you think is going to bust onto the scene, and that's... He's John not going to U-
0: bust. He's going to blow up. J- John <laughs> Smith of the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I, being someone that watches a lot of Titans footage or film, I just like what I see on tape. I, he has not had a lot of volume, I will admit that, and so would I actually you know, draft him in the single digit rounds? No, but 10th tight end off the board, I'd be willing to take a chance on pretty much a pair of any tight end after that in my rankings. Delaney Walker is going to be 36, even though he's not a free agent yet. I don't think that Walker is really going to see the field that much. He's continued to break down. I think What he showed this season, Smith, both in postseason and uh, towards the end of the regular season, was that he is a playmaker for this team, and I think he's ready to take over the, the majority of the volume in a Tennessee offense that thrives off play action, which I think benefits the tight end a lot. I do think he can rush the hell out of the ball. He certainly can do that well. You know,
1: we didn't get into this with our playoff takeaways, but... I I I just think the Titans in general are due for a storm of regression this season with how efficient they were in the red zone, how effective they were running the ball, how efficient Ryan Tannehill was as a passer that yeah. I'm just gonna be back to square one on hating the <laughs> Titans in fantasy <laughs> football. So Well, that's fair. I, I even if, yes, Delaney, I, Walker, I just think Delaney, Delaney Walker is 36, but he's still there. He's still potentially going to be the incumbent starter. Like Unless they get rid of Delaney Walker, I, I'm not going to touch either of these tight ends. I'll, I'll take, like you mentioned, Noah Fant over Johnny Smith because I've seen just as high of a ceiling from Fant and much less competition like I talked about.
0: You think there's less competition in Denver than in Tennessee? I do because the volume in Denver,
1: and maybe this isn't the right way to think about, but there's going to be more volume in Denver to, you know, even if you get the same percentage or market share from Cortland Sutton, those absolute target numbers are going to be higher. So he's going to have more targets to go with and
0: like just overall pass past attempts yeah and, and have yeah. more
1: opportunities to,
0: to score yeah. to get
1: yards etc. Et I'll, I'll
0: concede that the, la- the last thing I was going to say there is like with again with Sutton like I, I think we both agree he has it like in terms of being a playmaker and being a great player and that's how I feel about Smith too like when I talk about just watching him I'm like he needs more volume because I think he has the, the playmaking ability similar to AJ Brown and the Titans have put a lot of effort into finding those type of players for their team, so I'm going to keep standing for the Titans, I guess, on, on this podcast. I'd rather do that more and more for select players than the Bears offense like last year. <laughs> I guess we'll just start calling you Ryan
1: Stanahill. Oh, shit. And with that, you can follow us on Twitter at TD. You can follow myself. At Sam Hoppin, you can follow Andrew at Andrew Mackins. Find his new content up on andrewmackins.com. And you can follow our wonderful producer, Garner, at Garnther. But until next time, the The kick kick is good. good!